This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Over the weekend, Premier Kathleen Wynne took a shot at conservative leadership candidate Kevin O'Leary in an open letter on Facebook. She says Canadians like facts and O'Leary's opening salvo as a candidate was not factual. At issue was the amount of investment in our auto sector, which the Premier says surpassed the share of any other jurisdiction on either side of the border. She took a jab at O'Leary saying, I know that responding to you with such facts runs the risk of missing the point on American game shows and reality TV. No one expects their words to be taken literally or even seriously. Now, O'Leary jabbed back, writing, you and your policies have all but bankrupted a province that was once an economic powerhouse in Canada. If you were the CEO of one of my companies, I would have fired you Long ago, (laughs) shades of Donald Trump and Shark Tank. What to make of all of this? We've got Ginny Movat, a consultant at Crestview Strategy Group. Hi, Ginny. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, Were you surprised to see this? I wasn't at all surprised. Um, Both both sides in this fight are are seeking to benefit from this sort of public display of their positions. Um, I think immediately... O'Leary benefits a little more when you look at um, the premier's approval ratings. They're the low, I think they're lowest they've ever been for a premier in Ontario uh, in recent polling history. So he's, I think, seeking to benefit from that. Um, but but the premier also has some political benefit in this, in that she's trying to attract some of that sort of center ground voter um, into her space as she goes into an election in 2018, and um, she's looking to capitalize on people who maybe aren't so thrilled with Kevin O'Leary and his policies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems she's talking about facts. It seems like the facts are really getting lost in this whole thing. I mean, um, it's interesting that she laid out her version of the facts. And then when he jabbed back at her, he, he completely that ignored that whole issue of how much investment is there in the auto sector here versus Michigan and what are business tax rates here versus Michigan. Yeah, I think the, the political ramifications and fallout of these communications tactics and ways of, of speaking to their voters really have very little to do with the facts on both sides. I mean, we can talk about the facts, um, and they're really talking past each other. I mean, um, O'Leary is, is wrong uh, as far as investment in the auto sector. In fact, um, the premier and her, her party have uh, engaged in what I would refer to as corporate welfare um, yeah. quite aggressively over the last sort of decade or so um, in a sort of an unprecedented way, injected a whole lot of taxpayer cash into keeping auto jobs in Ontario. Now, you know, take uh, like that or don't, um, that's, that's been done and, and arguably kept, kept jobs in the auto industry in Ontario. Um, so O'Leary can oppose her ideology, but he can't uh, object to those facts. 
Now, he, he can make a, a different point, which is that the best way to keep um, the economy going in Ontario is to compete for workers and business with um, the, the close states south of the border, and that when you've got, you know, Trump um, having been sworn in and, or inaugurated over the weekend, and now, now as president, who's going to lower corporate taxes, um, probably, probably make it easier for um, for labor to move, um, all those conditions and regulations that get in the way of business and make them want to choose one jurisdiction over the other, um, the effect of Trump might make might mean that those states are much more competitive w- with Ontario than they have been in the past. So he's making a completely different argument about how to preserve jobs in Ontario, which I think is, is reasonable, but really they're talking past each other. They're talking, okay, they're making different arguments, but they're making both of the arguments with taxpayers' money. They are, they are. And look, I mean, I think O'Leary has the edge uh, in the sense because despite the fact that that um, you know, you could, you could argue the Liberals have saved those jobs in Ontario, um, and that I mean they've they've managed to reduce the deficit. Um, they they claim that this budget will bring bring us to balance in Ontario. They still incurred massive debt, uh, and for all sorts of other reasons. And, and O'Leary focuses uh, on this in his letter, uh, especially including electricity rates uh, yep. and, and other sort of pocketbook cost of living issues in Ontario. Her approval and popularity is really, really, really low. Um, and, and O'Leary is speaking to people who um, are approaching the premier in that way and really sort of displeased with their policies and for good reason. And it's, it's interesting. You know, he referenced uh, our uh, affiliated organization, CARP, A New Vision of Aging, has just launched a Heat or Eat campaign, which people you can support by a going to CARP. <laughs> Uh, .ca. And, and O'Leary referenced this in his letter saying there are some people who have to make a choice between buying groceries and paying their electrical bills. So, uh, But that, that's an Ontario issue. Uh, he also, um, she also pointed out that in Ontario, business pays a combined federal and provincial tax rate mm-hmm. of 285 and that's lower than 38.9 in Michigan. Right. Yeah, look, uh, uh, never let the facts get in the way of a good argument. Um, and I, I don't blame O'Leary for, for capitalizing on what are technically, you know, Ontario's jurisdictional issues. You know, there's one taxpayer. You know, when the average, you know, person living in southwestern Ontario um, sees that their uncle has lost their job at the manufacturing plant, they themselves can't afford to pay their hydro bill or, in fact, have to choose between heating or eating, as you say. Um, that's something that he wants to, to speak to. Those the, He wants to motivate that person to take out a membership in the federal Conservative Party and vote for Kevin O'Leary because he has a better understanding of their problems than Kathleen Wynne does. And right now, the enemy he's setting up for himself or the p- person that he's competing with, while he might not be competing with her directly at the federal level, um, she's a pretty good enemy to have in a, a, a time where people are very displeased with her. Right. And uh, is yeah, it's it's pretty easy to have the person with a historically low uh, approval rating. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, by the way, people, the numbers are four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. I know in the past we've heard from a lot of people who think Kevin O'Leary is great. So uh, let us know what you think about this latest little Facebook feud. Uh, on the line right now, we've got Stephen in Toronto. Hi, Stephen. Hi, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? Okay, thanks. Anyway, I got to say, Kevin O'Leary is absolutely right with what he has said about Catherine Wynne, and Catherine Wynne is absolutely right what she's saying about Kevin O'Leary. I say a pox on both of them, that we'd be better off, you know, with Andrea Horvath here and what, why people did not support McClare in the last election. 
and I'm dumbfounded how, how Trudeau got in with the majority. I'm dumbfounded how Wynne got in with the majority. It, it just does not make any sense that you, you uh, look at the NDP. They've had balanced budgets. Tommy Douglas, the father of... Uh, well, the, I recall an NDP government here in Ontario. Yeah, that... and, and, and this is why we had the problem. Is they didn't expect to get in. They catered to the major, uh, the unions initially. Then they decided, oh my God, if we want to get back in, we got to carry cater to the rich. So the, the, their policies were not good policy. The only good policy that Bob Ray had was, you know, work sharing, and the unions destroyed him for that. How, being opening on Sunday, we we have it now. But you know what? That's destroyed family life. Well, that's... Uh, people should have had a common pause today. But again, he came to business to do that. Okay, Stephen, thanks very much for your call. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, so, again, the number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Uh, Stephen says a pox on both their houses, both Kathleen Wynne and Kevin O'Leary, and people, we want to hear from you. Uh, does You know, what does this feud say to you? Does it make you support one or the other? Or, uh, Ginny Movat, do you think that... A lot of people will just uh, be put off by the tone of this conversation and say what Stephen just did. No, I think there's a reason that uh, politicians communicate in these ways, and that's because it works. And look, we talked a lot about why it made sense for O'Leary to do this. It made sense for Wynne to do it, too. She's got smart strategists around her. She looked out the window of her office at Queen's Park uh, yesterday, or, or Saturday, I guess it was, at the thousands of women who were you know, participating in the so-called Women's March um, because of their displeasure with Trump, and she said... There are thousands of voters uh, who might have been turned away from me in the last sort of month to eight, you know year to eighteen months um, because of my policies. I can win them back because we have a mutual distaste for Kevin O'Leary, Donald Trump, uh, the sort of new politics of the right. And if I can be seen to be fighting that and fighting O'Leary, maybe I can bring some of those voters back to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you think that all of this is going to amount to anything much? Um, no, I mean, I think the, uh, there'll be a steady drumbeat of uh, people uh, opposing the premier who want to really highlight the electricity rates issue. And as we get into the depths of winter, um, that's going to be a really tough period for her to ride out. Whether she can emerge from that and show some sort of compassion for the voters and get on the campaign trail, trail in the way that she, um, where, where she's been successful in the past, because there's a bit of a likability to her when, people, when voters see her on a day-to-day basis, um, that's yet to be seen, whether she can do that. O'Leary's um, sort of success or failure will be um, determined quite a bit sooner. Um, I'm curious to see how he does in the next in the next uh, conservative debate and whether he can sort of differentiate himself and really not just, um, you know, have people supporting him and cheering from on TV, but whether he can convert that support uh, and those tweets and those Facebook messages into someone buying a conservative membership. Not only that, but showing up on Election Day or mailing in their ballot and actually voting for him. Do you think that, uh, you know, that there are so many ways, and including this kind of Facebook feud, that he looks to be trying to take a page out of Donald Trump's playbook? Do you think that that's what he's doing, and do you think it'll work here? Yeah, I think what he's trying to do, um, I mean, he's different from Donald Trump in a lot of ways. He's, he likes to talk about how it you know, comes from a Lebanese um, 
parent, uh, one of his parents is from from Lebanon. He's an immigrant. He has no interest in closing the borders, uh, and he's you know he's for t- free trade and all that. Um, but it, but he is trying to capture that authenticity and that um, sort of cutting through the crap that uh, that Donald Trump had, um, that sort of magic uh, sauce that allowed him to speak to people who don't normally come out and vote. Um, and I think that he so far he's proving that that he's. Um, a lot of people are coming out of the woodwork and saying, you know, I didn't even think I was going to participate in this leadership election or in this um, politics-as-usual process, but this guy is not politics-as-usual, so he's going to make me, make me think again. Okay. Um, do you have any indication? Uh, you, what do you think their strategy is for signing people up? I mean, is he going to personally go door-to-door? It's hard. It's hard to imagine uh, in the in the church base. You know, Kevin O'Leary in the church basement uh, signing up local members. It's hard to picture him with an active ground game. You know, he's got he's recruited smart establishment conservative um, operatives. His his campaign manager is a fellow who has a, a great deal of experience in sort of ground game uh, politics. But frankly, I'm not sure. You know, the traditional wisdom in these leadership races is that it's what it's the ground game that matters. It's the signing up members and getting them out to vote. But there are so many candidates. There are 14 candidates in this leadership now, uh, and and it's it's frankly it's about cutting through. It's about who can stand out and make the difference in the media and in the evening news every night, um, and on social media and and uh, you know not on the ground but rather in the air as it were. And I think O'Leary might be quite successful there. The question is, you know, it's a ranked ballot. Um, so does he, does he go for, you know, for, for first place or, or nothing? Or does he try to say, you know, you might want to consider picking me as your second or third choice for people who have already committed their support? There's a whole lot of um, strategic decisions that have to be made going forward. Okay. Ginny Movet, consultant at Crestview Strategy Group. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.